0: Hey guys, welcome to the One Life Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today and we hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. Enjoy the message. I just want to start this morning, turn to the book of Genesis. You know, we're doing, like we said, Emily said, we're doing the topic of um, living a life of overcoming. How many of us have ever overcome anything? I'm sure you have. I'm sure each and every one of us have overcome something. How many of us are still overcoming something else? <laughs> it's never a one-off thing, is it? It's never just, oh, I've overcome that, now I'm right. <laughs> no, it's never like that. There's still something to overcome. When you overcome one thing, it took me 29 years to overcome one thing. Hopefully the next one doesn't take so long. But the thing is, there's a continual overcoming there's a continual but it but God works with us his grace his mercy his love is that great one of the things I've overcome it took me years I didn't even realize I had to overcome it I didn't realize what was causing it but earlier a few months back you know how God prompts you to take it to the cross and you take it to the cross and you leave it there and then you look back over your shoulder and you go back and pick it up when no one else is looking you know, keeps coming back at you. Well, God must have got sick of that. He brought the cross to me. He brought the cross to the situation that was bugging me, the situation that I hadn't fully overcome. Where every time I closed my eyes, all I could see was the cross in that situation. Every time, every thought, God's love was so great that he said, well, you're not going to do what you should do. I'm going to make it easier for you. He brought the cross to me and guess what? I've overcome that. In God, that situation's overcome, but there's more to do. There's more to overcome. There's other other things in my life, other areas that I need to overcome, but praise God for his grace that he brought the cross to me. You know, Every time I close my eyes, I see Jesus on the cross. I know the theologians, I know Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He's not on the cross. But I could see Jesus on the cross looking down and say, don't worry. I took care of that years ago. It's just taking you a long while to get the script to catch up. And uh, so, you know, things happen. But it took me a long time to uh, for God to... Not for God, it took me a long time to realise what God had done in my life. In Genesis chapter 4, I want to read from chapter 4. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was the keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So oh, I better put this on. I was going to put a timer on here. I've got extra extra few minutes now. Uh, (laughs) you already had yours on but look at this in verse 7 offense there was an offense there it was left unchecked not dealt with and if that happens you know it can manifest itself as a murder of spirit and uh that's my interpretation of what's happening here god rejected cain's offering please note not cain himself just his offering Yes, God was, you know, disappointed, disapproving of Cain's heart and effort, but I don't believe God rejected Cain, the person per se. You know, Uh, that's what I believe. Cain's anger was aroused that strongly. He lost all self-control. And uh, whether it was cold-blooded, premeditated murder or not, I don't know. The result was the same. Abel was dead because Cain didn't deal with disappointment of God rejecting his sacrifice or his offering. So it appears to me that Cain was blaming Abel for his woes, for the mess that he was in. See, jealousy, envy, contempt, hatred—you know—festered up into a murderous spirit. And uh, see, I believe when they said they talked, was full-on argument. Would have been, I suppose. <laughs> no one's ever in here's ever had any of those. I don't suppose. But see, God's rejected my offering and accepted yours. You're the cause of my trouble. Whether that was conscious or subconscious, I believe that was happening. How many of us have ever blamed someone else for the woes or the problems that we're in, just like that? <laughs> I could say I did that on purpose, but I didn't. <laughs> well, we get in the ways. None of us here have ever done that, have we? Blame someone else? You know, someone jealous of someone else? Envious of someone else? <laughs> Praise God. See... I'm going to remove the trouble from my life, then my life will be no trouble. (laughs) It's not right, eh? Reality was, that was the start of his troubles. See, Cain believed the lies. He believed the lies instead of the voice, the warning of God. God gave him warning, didn't he? Uh, I wonder how their argument went. God loves you. Yeah, you're the favourite. God doesn't love me. I'm the outcast. Cain failed to heed the warning. How many of us have a warning from God and haven't heeded it? (laughs) If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. That's the warning. Its desire, sin's desire is to destroy you. That's what the warning was. The same warning can be said to us. That's the only desire sin ever has, isn't it? To destroy us. Destroy our relationship with the living God. To destroy who we are. To tell us lies that, you know, lies that are not true. Well, that's a bad statement, isn't it? Lies are not true. But it wanted to tell us lies, but it's up to us to rule over it. That's the key, to rule over it, to take the thoughts captive, bring in the obedience of Christ. So in other words, we should overcome sin, overcome the temptation to satisfy, satisfy the works of the flesh, the world, and the devil. That's 1 Peter five 8. I'm sure we know this scripture. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So it's there. See, sin crouches at the door. I think that's in another translation. Sin crouching at the door for Cain. It was crouching there. He had to rule over it, but he didn't. Sin's crouching at the door for us right now. It's up to us to rule over it. When we rule over it, when we're walking in the spirit, we're ruling over it. No problem take that thought Captain. push it aside, get behind me Satan, you're an offence to me, everything's okay but when we're walking in the flesh, we try to fight the flesh with the flesh and have a guess who wins, the flesh has got to win hasn't it, if you've got the flesh on one side and the flesh on the other side, there's no other winner bar the flesh, it's got to be the flesh, whether it's the flesh of someone else or whether it's your fleshly desires, the flesh has got to win when the flesh is fighting flesh, depends who's got the stronger flesh. That's why we've got to fight in the Spirit. That's why we've got to yield to the Holy Spirit. That's why there's gotta to, needs to be the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit, allowing the peaceable fruit of righteousness to rule and reign in our heart. You know, is a peaceable fruit of righteousness. I used to think, oh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you know, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, the self control. I might have missed one there, who knows? I used to try and tick them off. Oh, yeah, I'm getting on top of that one. Yeah, that one, love. Yeah, not doing so good there. Peace, self-control. Start tick them off. Then I heard someone share one day. They said, well, I don't believe it's nine fruits. So I just believe it's just one. <laughs> and I thought, well, wow, that could be right. It's up to you whether you believe that or not. But I'm going to take it as just one fruit. So it's when the Holy Spirit rules and reigns in my life the whole time, then I'm displaying all those fruits, every single one of those fruits. But I've got to get to that stage. I'm not there yet. I haven't got there yet. There's things still in my life that I'm still overcoming, but I'm heading towards a life that's overcoming. I can sit back and say, oh, yeah, better than I used to be. (laughs) I'm still a long way short of the Jesus Christ. the the real yardstick in uh, one john chapter two i want to turn there one john chapter two here it is it's verse 15 it says do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world and the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Amazing scripture. And uh, Ken was sharing recently, I don't know whether it was last week or the week before, I'll get mixed up in the weeks, but he was talking about temptation and uh, see, We're tempted every day, I reckon. I I guarantee you, you'll be tempted to do something, some work of the flesh at some stage today if it hasn't happened already. And uh, it's up to us to overcome that. And uh, when Ken was talking about, you know, Jesus being tempted, he's tempted the same way we were tempted. He's tempted the same way Adam and Eve was tempted. You know, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of the life. See, the lust of the flesh... The devil said, do we make, make bread out of these stones? He would have been hungry after fasting. The lust of the eyes, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, you bow down to me, you can have the lot. And then the pride of life, you know, you'll have a life of no problems. The angels will lift you up. You know, there'll you, be nothing in your life to overcome. Life of peace, life of comfort. Do we ever get tempted that way as well? Do you ever go, went for a beach holiday this week? Looking out over the water, look great. Saint Elizabeth, yeah, I could probably live here. <laughs> and then I thought, no, I couldn't. <laughs> but the thing is, I like the gun leaves too much. But the thing is, we can start to get carried away. We can start to look at things that the world has to offer and forget what Jesus Christ has already done for us. You know, but see. You know in the New King James versions in Luke chapter 4 it says that Jesus was filled with the Spirit before his temptations but after the temptation ended he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. So the temptations are a good thing for us. They can strengthen us and uh, as Jesus was tempted those three ways he returned the Spirit to Galilee then he went to Nazareth you know and, and said the Spirit of the Lord is upon me when he got in the synagogue. You know the you know the rest of that. Look it up if you don't. The <laughs> Spirit has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and deliver the captives and all those things. See, overcoming the desires of the flesh in the Spirit enables us to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where I'm going. If we want to overcome the work of the flesh, if we want to overcome the power of the flesh in our lives, we've got to walk in the Holy Spirit at all times. Be led by the Holy Spirit in all times. See, Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And there he was strengthened. And then he returned in the power. And then he began the commission. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Hey? Same for us in our lives. When we get temptation, get tempted to do something. Do we get strengthened in God's Spirit or do we bow down? You know, I'd say I'm consistent at being inconsistent when it comes to that. Luke, same chapter, verse 13, says, Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him forever. doesn't say that. It says a more opportune time for another opportunity. When would the devil come around and tempt us? You hardly get tempted when you're in church praising God normally. Uh, normally when you're in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, the temptations are probably not as as great or evident or even at all as when pressures start to come around your life, when you start to get tired, when things start to be irritable, when the kids start screaming and carrying on and all you want is five minutes peace. All you want is five minutes to yourself. And then the husband comes home and says, where's tea? <laughs> or dinner, whatever you call it now. <laughs> I've been with the kids all day here. You take them for a while. no it's you it's your job. I've been working. I don't know. Does ever this any happen? <laughs> I'm just making the story up. Pretty accurate. <laughs> but see, that's the time he's most likely to come. That's the time where you're most likely to say words that you'd rather not have said. That's the time, you know, when you could rise up with that murderous spirit, what I started with, and start to attack, start to lose self-control. See, I don't know, like I said earlier, I don't know whether Cain set out to slay his brother or, or not, but I know as things went on, things got, obviously got out of control to the point where he lost that self-control. and He sl- slew his brother, killed his brother, you know, I'm sure he would have regretted it I grew up with five brothers I had one or two fights with the brothers as you do (laughs) not when we got older that was hit too hard but when you were younger you had a few scraps with your brothers I mean who's to say that something could have happened accidentally you know and you would have regretted that you know could have accidentally happened Who knows? Not that we did, but you know, you could pick up a rock, you could pick up something. Who who knows what could have happened? But the thing is, he had to live with that then, didn't he? But the thing is, are there things that we have to live with or not yet overcome? Sometimes the things we hold on to ain't worth holding on to. Sometimes people can be fighting and having a feud for that long, they've forgotten what the feud was over in the first place. You know, forgotten what the cause of it was in the first place. We can't be like that, people. We've got to overcome. See, Jesus overcame the suggestions of the devil. Then he overcame again in the garden of Gethsemane. You know, the flesh was screaming out for relief. You know, from the place of that sin put him in, or our sin put him in. He overcame it. Not my will, but the be done. So you've got to realise that Jesus defeated sin on the cross and in him we have the same victory over sin. We have the same victory. We have a great victory. The problem is we don't enforce the victory. How many times have we forgotten that we're in victory? How many times have we forgotten that we're in relationship and covenant with the living God? How many times do we forget that God is with us and not against us? Too many times we forget that. See, we don't enforce it. James chapter one verse fourteen. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed, enticed by our own desires. We have desires. It's up to us to bring in the subjection to our spirit. Our spirit needs to rule. See, we can never say the devil made me do it. We can never say that, because well, we can say it, but that's not true. The devil can't make us sin. The devil can only suggest that we sin. He'll only suggest that we sin. The power of suggestion. Has God really said? Did God say that? You know, did God say all that to Adam and Eve? That was the power of suggestion. Just this once won't hurt. <laughs> Just this once won't hurt. God doesn't love me anyway. If God loved me, my life would be better. <laughs> no, if we love God exclusively, our life would be better. That's the bottom line. If we love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, spirit and body and our neighbour as ourself, then our life would be better. But we say, woe is me, God doesn't love me because my life should be better. It doesn't work that way. It's up to us to seek the living God. It's up to us to make sure our life is right with God. See, I read in Matthew Henry commentary that it is the hope of hypocrites, not of the sons of God, that makes allowance for, allowances for gratifying impure desires and lusts. I'll read that again. It's the hope of hypocrites, not of the sons of God, that makes allowance for gratifying impure desires and lusts. See, we're out as sons of God to live in righteousness, to you know, produce the people, peaceable fruit of righteousness, to produce the joy of the Holy Spirit, the love of the Holy Spirit and all those other fruit of the Spirit. It's up to us to do that, not to make excuses for our flesh. And too often we do that. Too often we don't overcome the works and the lusts of the flesh, when we should. See, one of the one of the hardest things, or yeah, the hardest things for a preacher, when you share the word, is not trying to beat people. It's trying to encourage people. You know, I tried to encourage myself, trying to say this morning, you know, God's not about, you know, big sticks. God's about love and drawing us to the light by his love, overcoming by his love, by his forgiveness, and by his warning. You know, it's it's amazing. I've I just got a scripture here, if I can find it. I'm trying to do two things at once with this phone. is. see, when Cain was chastened by God, when he said, you know, I've, rejected your offering I haven't accepted it I haven't respected your effort like he put in no effort did he he put in a a lazy effort to bring his offering to God and God didn't respect the offering and sometimes we're the same we put in a lazy effort and wonder why God doesn't move we've got to put in our best effort We've got to put in our best bit. How many know that we do a little bit sometimes and God does a great big bit, you know? So God chastened him. He said, you've got to rule over it. You've got to overcome that sin because it's there to destroy you. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11 says this, now no chastening seems to be joyful joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. (laughs) Those who have been trained by the chastening of the Lord. It says also, he chastens those whom he loves. He loves us because, uh, sorry, yeah, he loves us, but he chastens us. He corrects us because he loves us. He doesn't want us to be rebellious and stiff-necked and going our own way. He wants us to go his way. And he does that through a gentle leading of the Holy Spirit. But it's up to us to recognise the gentle leading of the Holy Spirit and not to ignore it, but to allow that, that spirit to come around our lives. If the musicians and the singers come, please. I think that time is just about getting there. I don't even know why I'm worried about it takes as long as it takes (laughs) it takes 29 years sometimes for the word of god but that's the encouragement this morning to allow the love of christ into our heart allow the spirit of god i do have a scripture to finish with see just another thought from matthew henry as well let us not serve or indulge indulge what the Son of God came to destroy, which is the works of the flesh. Let us not serve or indulge what the Son of God came to destroy, the works of sin. But I just want to read, I'd like to read the whole of 1 John chapter 3. I encourage you to read at home. Read read 1 John. (laughs) Read 1 John. It's hard to get your head around it. Because without the Spirit of God, there you go, <laughs> repeat, that's another 20 minutes. But if we're reading from verse 10 of 1 John chapter 3, in this the children of God and the children of the devil are revealed. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. (laughs) It's up to us to do the righteous works of the living God. That's loving one another, accepting one another, forgiving one another, allowing the peace of God to touch our heart being patient with one another, kind with one another, all those things, you know, it's amazing. But we've got to overcome the world, the flesh and the devil. Overcome that flesh that screams out for its bit, its satisfaction, that's the word. Flesh wants satisfaction. Flesh doesn't need satisfaction. It needs subduing by the spirit of the living God. That's what it needs. Allow the Spirit of God to rise. How about we stand this morning as we sing, as we finish, and praise the living God. And when the Holy Spirit was ministering first up our identity, build on that. Build on that identity. And then we overcome the lies of the devil. Praise God.